Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. I had to think about it. I don't know. It's a Friday. I'm Gina Trebarco, master sales trainer at Sales Gravy, who sponsors this podcast. We are so thankful for that. And today in the house, a former Paisan, and you would have to be Italian to understand that, is my new friend, Dan DeCappa, who owns the Spotlight Home Team Real Estate Agency in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm not going to go into all of his bio because you guys can read the show notes. Let's just jump on in with my new friend, Dan, from the Midwest and Italian. Dan, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome to be on here with a fellow Italian. Have you ever been to Italy? Yes, I have. I have been all over Italy. I have a favorite area of Italy. Well, my family is from the Naples area in a little town called Sinarchia, which no longer exists. But my favorite part of Italy is actually that southern region, specifically Sorrento and Capri. Those are my favorite places. Have you been? Well, no, I've been to Olive Garden. So, you know, I would (laughs) pretty close you know i had the breadsticks but i have never been but stanley uh, is making me so jealous if you watch that show no what show Italy. is that oh, it's phenomenal he goes to every region of italy and discovers the food it's not anthony bourdain style yeah, Stanley tucci's his own you know yeah fantastic but you got to watch it. it's on cnn stanley tucci oh discovering God. italy how did I not know this? I love Stanley Tucci. I'm really cracking up, though, at you because my husband, who's not Italian, is in love with the OG. He is in love oh. with Olive Garden. He thinks it is Italian food. It is. It's the tour of Italy. You got to go. You got to get that. <laughs> and then you bring those breadsticks home in that bag and they're just hard as a rock. You can, you know, it's blasphemous. It's oh, blasphemous. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so bad. And the only thing we got for our... Uh, For our as a wedding gift, because we've been married not quite a year yet, but as a wedding gift, we got an Olive Garden gift card. Oh, yeah. We finally used it the other day and I couldn't even get into the soup. Like, I'm like, all I'm having is soup and salad. It's the only thing (laughs) I ever eat there. Anyway, we digress. We digress. We've got a lot of things common, which I don't even know where to jump in. But our good mutual friend, Beth Incorvati, another Italian Mm -hmm. last name, brought us together. Yeah, She's also from a real estate background. And she's like, you have to meet Dan. You got to know Dan because Dan was a stand-up comedian and you're a comedian and you guys need to get together. And I'm like, yeah, anytime I can talk to any type of artist because I have a true belief system that artists are the best salespeople. Yeah. And I'd love to start a movement. Uh, uh-huh. so funny. I'm performing in a show right now. Well, I'm in a rehearsals for a show. Yeah. And so half of us are my age and half are like college students and kids who just graduated with theater degrees. And mm-hmm. I walked in, I was running late and the director gave me a hard time. I'm like, some of us have to work. And then I looked <laughs> at the young ones and I go, you will all be in jobs one day that are not on stage. If I, <laughs> I don't mean to burst your bubble. Oh, gosh. You're going to be at well, a different stage. So you started in comedy. So I want to just take us on the journey because you were doing stand up. Walk us through that journey a little bit before we get into Spotlight Home Team, because dying to know <laughs> stand up to real estate. Go. I know. I, I agree with you that it, we're artists. Salespeople, the best salespeople are artists, right? And if you can bring humor 
into your business, then you are going to be a phenomenal salesperson. Mostly it's about being present, right? And yeah. humorists know how to just be present, how to listen, how to you know absorb information. And they're great teachers too, because humor holds everybody's attention when you're out there right? But we have a feud. I want to discuss this with you because I don't know if this is, I don't know if people talk about it, but there's an ongoing feud between (laughs) stand-up and improv. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where does this come? Because stand-up comedians are a little more self-centered than us improvisers who are (laughs) (laughs) ensemble-based. It (laughs) is. ready? You ready? Let's go. I know. Let's do it. Well, it's a team. Like you're a team sport. You're team comedy, right? Exactly. And we are all about self-centered. But so when I was, <laughs> we're all self-centered was, together. Oh yeah, we're self-centered together. Yeah, mm-hmm. you work Second City Chicago, beautiful theater, right? And I work Zanies. Oh which, yeah, Old Town. Yeah, in so, Old Town on Wells. On Old Town on Wells, a converted yes. peep show theater. And you got this beautiful setup down there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm over there at this building. But I mean, it's such it's such a great town. It doesn't matter. It is. And I spent many a night at Zany's because so many improvisers are stand up comedians. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point because uh, that I want to differentiate for the person who's not like you and I, a couple things that like irritate me that I got a beef about. I don't know if you remember this. It was on Wells, but further south on Wells when they, the improv. Yes. Right. I opened the improv as a server, not as a comedian. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the improv is a known club throughout the country, but it's Mm -hmm. actually not improv. Right. It's stand-up comedy. So Mm -hmm. that has confused audiences, you know, forever because they just automatically think the improv, right? They're like, oh, do some stand-up for me. And I'm like, no, we don't. We don't do stand-up. We're improv. But it's called the improv. And I'm like, yeah, well, blame what's his name for that. I don't, you know, know really why he did that. But whatever. (laughs) There is a clear difference between the Mm -hmm. two. Uh, When I owned my improv theater and taught improv classes, and let's just clarify, we don't teach people how to be funny. We pull it out of them, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. innate. And so I can't teach you how to be funny. I can Mm -hmm. give you the frameworks on what to do to get there. But I would have my my favorite students and performers were the ones who had zero experience and background. Mm -hmm. And they showed up raw and I could, you know, give them a foundation the most challenging students were stand-up comedians. Yes. They came in with a very, you know, they're and when I joke about the self-centered, right? We're, we all have egos, but the as you know, the stand-up comedian is alone on stage. Yes. And the only person that they can play off of is the rest of the audience. Mm-hmm. There is an ensemble. We don't have a script. Right. And we have to rely on each other as a team to take Mm -hmm. some frameworks and turn that into something based on the audience. So we don't have a memorized set. So it can be dangerous feeling and like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And the struggle bringing a a stand-up comedian into an improv class, if they've never done improv is they can't seem to break out of their I'm here alone Mm -hmm. piece of it. And they can't seem to collaborate. Like I had to really break them down to get them into collaboration. Now, what I've also seen is those improvisers who then go into stand-up have a way stronger foundation and their timing 
is so impeccable because they breathe. Right. How's the audience reacting? And if you're good enough, I think now I've done some stand up and it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. It is terrifying to me. Like I can't even keep a set memorized. Right. At Mm -hmm. all. Right. I'm reading the audience and then I'm like going on a different journey with them. What are your thoughts on all of this? I, you know, you're exactly right. Stand up comedians are not, they're not yes and team players because when you're on stage, you're doing a lot of analyzing. So you're doing a lot of, okay, where's this next bit going to go? Where's this? How do I drive this crescendo up to the peak laughter? So when you translate that to improv, you're trying to control it to get to the point where you have a joke. So there's too much. The stand-ups that are in their heads and analyzing and are very scripted are going to really struggle in improv, where if you take somebody with a beginner's mindset, with a clear mind, and they get out there and... They can just say, okay, and they go with the flow and they play the team game. It completely works. But stand up, you know, some guys are great with the audience, too. I think those stand ups might convert to improv really well because they're open and they're out there. But I completely agree with you going improv to stand up is good because you learn the timing. Right. And you say, okay, this is the funny. But going blank inside your head, having that beginner's mindset is really tough for a stand up to do that. That's used to feeding off the laughs. I need it. You know, give me the next laugh. I mean, why is nobody laughing? And then you just get more frustrated. Yeah. And those are the stand ups that go, you know, I like want to go up there and help them because they go, that was funny. Right. That (laughs) That was funny, you guys. You guys could laugh at that. And I'm like, dude, seriously, why did you like that? It wasn't funny. It wasn't funny to them. No, it wasn't funny to them. And that's okay. Doesn't mean you're a failure inside. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I think like the tiny tweak that they could use is the timing Mm -hmm. piece of it. Uh, This is the thing that we train for in improv is listening to audience reaction. We are analyzing in our head. We are because we're listening and watching. Then if we get a really good reaction, we know rule of three, we can play that game two more times and heighten it. If they don't react, we're not quite sure because people react differently. And if they grunt or make a face, we know abandon ship. Right. We don't try to play it. It's like this audience does not like where we're going with this. Ooh, pivot. And to your point, there are a lot of stand up comedians that are great with the audience. And a lot of them had improv backgrounds. Yes. Yes, they do. I would go up to I was like, oh, my gosh, you're so good with the audience. Like, Mm -hmm. have you done improv? And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I've worked with some great people. And about 15 years ago, I was opening for Maria Bamford in Grand Rapids. And she was just not connecting with the audience. She would do her, you know, she's got a very shtick that works for Mm -hmm. her, very Minnesota, and just not connecting to the point where the manager said, you got to take over, you got to close the show. And they just, you know, moved her down and moved me up and just driving her back to the hotel. I remember her saying like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to Minnesota and have to work at Target and I'm going to do all this. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I She's saying this, but I think she means it because you take her same act and you bring her to Chicago. She just was not in front of the right people. But boy, she exploded a couple of years later and got her own sitcom. And like, that's, you've got to stick to it. Stick to who you are. The closer you are to your core, yeah. the better you're going to be. And I found that in, in sales 
too, there's a lot of fake personalities in sales out there. The closer to who you really are, your truer self, you're going to be better at sales. Stop putting on a show in front of the Rolls Royce. That's not who you are. And that's not the client you're going to attract. You're just putting on a show for everyone. Yeah, I'm so happy that you segued into sales because I wanted to jump on that, right? It's it's Mm -hmm. especially in sales too. There's so much that you can look at with this. Be exactly who you are. And I think so often people get stuck in imposter syndrome and they get stuck in, let me be what that person wants me to be. Mm -hmm. And because you're not that person, there's an incongruency that the buyer can't quite put their finger on, but they feel like, there's something off with you because you're actually not true to yourself and it's coming out in other ways. And so, but people get scared to be, to niche. You know, one of the things that I learned years ago was my thing is improv and comedy in sales, right? Yeah. So it's like, that's my go-to, that's my niche. That's what I'm known for. And so in the beginning, it felt limiting, like, because it was hard, I had to learn how to sell it the right way. I was fearful because people, you know, who did not want to buy improv based sales training, they were not my audience. And I was afraid to walk away and go, it's okay. They're not my audience. Yes. Let me find my audience that resonates with this. And that's who I'm going to sell to. Yeah. How do you see that in your world in real estate? I do see that's the big leap that people have to make because I say my first few years in real estate, I didn't want to tell anybody that I'm coming over from stand up comedy because of whatever stigma that Mm -hmm. people have about comedians. I mean, we love comedians. The stigma was something that I created, right? Oh, I'll never attract that buyer because they're going to think I'm a clown and I'll go to show (laughs) a house and like 12 clowns will jump out. Right. So. had to get to the point where I'm like, you know what? This is fine. So I put up a TikTok channel, The Funny Agent. I've got like 13,000 followers on there. Just have fun videos because, you know, sales can be really stressful, right? We just, we get punched in the gut a lot. You need to have an outlet for that. And if you have an outlet on a daily basis or with your clients and you can show your true self, you're just going to bond with those people. You're going to find your tribe and say, okay, these are the people I want to serve. If I'm not working with million dollar buyers every day and talking about swimming pools and shadow boxing, you know, I don't want to talk about that anyway. I want to work with real people. Yeah. And comedy in general, humor in general, always makes a scenario or situation better, right? It disarms people. It takes the stress away. And I know real estate buying and selling can be slightly stressful for both the buyer and the seller, not just the agent. Yes, it is stressful on all ends of it. And any humor you can interject into it, you say, okay, well, Because it's a scenario that's filled with fear from the beginning, right? I'm fear. Am I making the right choice? Am I doing this? Am I on the inspection? Oh my gosh, you know, there's a broken window. Am I going to die here? So it's, it alleviates that fear by bonding with somebody and letting them know, I really care about you because we do care about people. If we put in enough energy to make them want to laugh and bond with them, then you do care about them. Absolutely. So how did you go from doing comedy all over and clubs and on cruise ships. How did you go from that to real estate? Like, what was that turning point and why? 
Yes. So making that, it was necessary because touring so much, being on cruise ships and going to clubs, it's a grueling life. So when I had kids, when my son was about three years old, I said, you know what? This is not a sustainable lifestyle to go around. I've got to find something a little bit more permanent. So I met an agent who taken us around to, to look at homes and was just so great. And I thought, well, this is it. This is a great way to bond with people. Um, to do something that is really providing a necessary service. For me at the time, we didn't have any money. Come on, doing comedy, we had nothing. So he took us through loan and grant programs and we were able to buy a house that we no way should have been able to buy because of all the concessions and repairs and things that we needed. But it's like, wow, he really helped us for this very low sale in the area I was looking at. I said, I just want to I want to help people and still be able to use some of the talents that I've acquired in the past. And it's just been over a decade doing it. And I love it every day. Are you doing any stand up at all? No, but trying to get into the presenting world, which is a little bit different than, you know, talking to club bookers because they don't like the weed I'm sending them, I guess. I don't know. So what kind of presenting? So I'm teaching continuing education courses, talking about value. I'll talk to you about chat GPT and AI. Those are crazy programs that are going to affect our industry. But just getting out there in front of realtors and saying, okay, let's, I'd love to give a presentation, a keynote on any of these topics. So if you're looking, I'm out there. Fantastic. (laughs) I would love to have you come back and talk about chat GPT if that's something that you're open to. I'd love to do an episode on that. And so if you got thoughts on that, that would be great. And I asked about the presentation piece because that's what I found in my kind of leap. I mean, I kind of had a little bit of intentionality when I started the Improv Comedy Theater was to actually take it into a corporate sphere. I did not expect to be a keynote speaker and it kind of sort of happened. People would ask me to like come to a Rotary Club and talk about improv and I'd be like, all right. And in South Carolina where, you know, that just wasn't that popular. And the more I did it, people were like, God, you're so funny and engaging. I'm like, okay. They're like, can you come speak at this thing about this thing? And I'm like, sure. And next thing you know, I'm like speaking everywhere, uh, which was not my intention. But what I really learned is that what we do as performers really gives us presentation skills and not being fearful to get in front of a crowd and speak and know how to read the audience. And um, I'm surprised you're not already doing that. So you put a little effort into that and I think you'll kill it. Oh, um, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a great, yeah. I, I love it. And I've worked the Rotary Club before. <laughs> <laughs> right, you <laughs> have to. Right, you have to. It's open mic, to. right? You gotta, it's a, yeah, it's an open mic and it's a way to get in front of people. That's how I really built my business was I would call them the Rotary Club tour. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing the Rotary circuit, you know, <laughs> like seven <laughs> clubs in Myrtle <laughs> Beach and I did every club. I'm like, it's time to talk about something new. Now yeah. you have grown spotlight home team in 2021 you did 82 million in sales you didn't just like let me do real estate no 82 million that's insanely it's amazing oh thank you yeah i have a great team working for me you attract good agents in this business and you keep them and you teach them how to serve their clients and it just keeps working 
giving value to the community, getting known more. You know, real estate, you don't jump into it with all these million dollars. This isn't selling sunset, you know. So we're just we're trying to grow organically as people together and just have fun doing it. You know, as a leader, how do you attract and retain really good agents? Because that can be all across the board. And I know a lot of brokers who struggle and, you know, they've got the they've got great agents and they've got agents that are not so great. So as a leader, how do you attract and retain part Mm -hmm. one, part two? um, What makes for a good agent? So two part question. Two-part question. I think you answered this question a little bit earlier when you when we were talking about stand-up and improv and who you're looking for. And if you just had a room full of people and you know, okay, this person, ah, they're stand-up, you can kind of identify who the team player is. And that's who you're looking to attract is you're looking to attract the team player to a team, somebody that's played sports, somebody that understands how important the collaboration is. Mm-hmm. And you got to keep out like the prima donnas, right? You don't <laughs> want that type of agent on your yeah. team, the me, me, look at me scenario. Yeah. So right from the beginning, if you know somebody has a team background or they work at a bartending staff, I mean, all my guys came from different industries. They were bartenders, servers, used car salespeople, but they all got used to working on a team and understood the importance of it. The mistake that a lot of brokers and recruiters make is they recruit 100 people looking for the diamond in the rough and not being honest and saying, you know, you need to develop this skill set. You need to have some sort of sales skills and then come back to us and then say, now you get the hang of it. Because you can't just throw somebody into a 1099 situation living off a commission and always expect success from them. You need to really set them up for it. Yeah, interesting. I had Ryan Serhant on the show recently, and we were talking about, similarly, you know, the people that he has on his team, right? He wants people that are high achievers and have been doing it for a little while. Like they have to have and they have to be persistent, right? You want that kind of quality. Yeah, Um, the hungry, humble and smart yeah, we're looking for. Yeah, you want that. But what about that agent that's like, I don't have the experience? Mm-hmm. What advice would you give? I mean, we see this in sales too, right? I've had clients say to me, well, we're going to hire a whole bunch of salespeople and see who lasts. I'm like, why are you yes. going to go through? Yeah, It's sort of like selling that way too. When you like, mm-hmm. I'm going to spray and pray. I'm going right. to, I'm going to throw out all this marketing to people that are not even my ideal client to see what sticks like that's a lot of energy resources money yeah so how do we help these young reps no experience and i've had them come my way too for coaching and for and i'm like how many homes have you sold none i'm like how how many like listings do you have zero i'm like so what's in your pipeline nothing i'm like i can't coach you yeah you actually need some money come with to me with a I need a silver bullet mentality yeah okay this is a very long lead up to the question so what would your advice be to these people who don't have the experience well you know it's okay to do a side gig and it's something that we can talk about you know right now I think there's more agents than there are home for sales and a lot of people are going to get out of business and if you have to If you have to take a side gig, if you got to drive Uber, if you got to go back to where you were before, 
that's okay. But I would tell agents, you need to really invest in yourself. So I would do a gig. I get paid 250 bucks, go do a gig. I would take that. I would spend that on online advertising because I knew I needed to stack it to get to the next level. So if you don't have the money to invest in yourself, it's going to be really tough. But Coming from comedians, coming from people that aren't afraid, find out what your passion is and play off on that. If you're into running or cycling or tennis, find those people, get in that organization. That's going to be the core of what's going to build your business. You're going to find a couple of people from there and you're going to grow roots. So if you haven't sold before, that's okay. But understand your passion, understand your people, find them and say, Those are the people that are going to really trust me. And I would say in real estate, join a team where you can actually have a mentor. You can have somebody coach you because the last thing you want to do is sell your, you know, relative a house and really screw up the sale because you didn't have anybody looking over you. And there's definitely that lack in our industry of oversight and mentorship. And would you agree that their heart has to be into actually wanting to sell, sell real estate? Absolutely. I ask people when you interview them, ask them, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, I see myself flipping houses or flipping birds. doesn't matter if the thing, if the answer is anything other than being successful in this industry and living out, you know, my ideal life, then no, I mean, that's a terrible answer to that question. You need to be devoted to it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I mean, I'm in a market that is a huge relocation market and, you know, I could, probably throw a stone and hit a hundred agents outside my window, right? There's so many agents and so many of them like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go, I'm going to do real estate. I'm going to do some real estate on the side. And I've had some brokers say to me, I don't want the person doing real estate on the side. It has to be like the main focus. I think that's with anything you're selling. Like that's got to be your main focus. Absolutely. You have to want to bring value to people from your inner core. And that will lead to a lot of money later on, right? Find a segment of people, bring them as much value as possible. How much value are you bringing if you've only sold one or two houses? Well, you know, your value then at that point, because everybody starts somewhere, is being the best listener possible, finding all of the answers you possibly can too. Yes. And yes. And use your yes. And skills. You've got a unique this. At least this is what your website says. Yeah. You attribute the success of Spotlight Homes to your unique marketing and advertising strategies, persistence for real communication, positive Mm -hmm. approach. And like we just talked about, love of real estate. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about unique marketing and advertising strategies. How would you how, how what are some examples of that? Well, when you don't have a big budget, this is a great question. I used to make my own postcards. So I would buy the thick, find out whatever the post office would send, buy that paper, and I would put funny messages on them. I would just put, postcards cry when you throw them away. And I'd put that and I'd put, <laughs> just sold on the other side. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, just finding, and that was a way to really build humor into the business early on when I'm working with such a limited budget, you know, cutting them out myself and sending them and just being yourself in everything you do. When I put the funny agent TikTok, when I put up a funny video out there, people come and, you know, say, hey, I like your personality. I'd love to work with you. It's good to have all of that out there. It doesn't have to be sales related. We're in the yeah. entertainment slash sales business now too. People want to see your personality. 
Well, that I was just going to say that this is where the personal brand piece becomes mm-hmm. so important, especially in real estate, right? As an individual agent and you're overseeing your own profit center, right? Mm-hmm. Or are buying you because they need someone that they can trust in this process that is really stressful. I think comedy is a really good angle. I'm sure that some reps or some of your agents are like, I'm not funny like Dan. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Right. You don't He's have the to. funny. He's the funny agent. You're bring the funny. Yeah. By the way, that joke on that postcard comes from an old Mitch Hedberg joke that I heard him tell. And it was, you know how people hand you stuff on this, the street. It's just like saying, hey, here, you throw this away. <laughs> I, <thought laughs> I, I love it. I love, what else yeah. do you do for marketing and advertising strategies? Well, you know, I think YouTube has been really big and people are coming back to the long form video. We'll do that. But also quarterly, we send out items of value, which are really important to get to your base just to remind them. We do this as a team. So we'll say, okay, let's find some of the top rated contractors in the area people recommended. We ask our clients, hey, who do you recommend as a contractor? Who do you recommend as a painter, a dog sitter? And we'll put them on a sheet and we'll send that out. And then we'll say, okay, we live in a very, people are very concerned about the environment. So we'll say, okay, where can I recycle batteries? Where are the composting stations? We'll put together a list. We'll send that out. I think a very good, we're working on a lot in the downsizing market here too, as the population ages, we have a real housing crisis and people have a lot of stuff. They've lived in their home for generations. So I sponsored a book from a local author and it was all about downsizing. There's a page of, about me in there and about the team. Send it out to our entire sphere and say, who's interested in downsizing? Who wants to know more about that? I am not the one that asks, hey, can I get a referral? Can I get a referral? Can I get a referral? I want to find out your pain point. What is stressing you out today? And fill that with value. Are you moving your parents? Are you stressed about that? Okay, how can I help you in some way? And the referrals come organically. I do not constantly ask. I love it. I love it. So, you know, we're... There are all kinds of different schools of thought on how to get business, right? There's the outbound, you know, here's the old school prospecting kind of way. Asked me this the other day of like, you know, what is your, because we were talking about sequencing in our prospecting, right? All the different touch points that we can have. And someone said, what is your best first touch point? Right. Because we're, we constantly, we preach and teach at Sales Gravy that it should be a phone call. And for me, it's situational. It depends on this, the type of prospect in the list. If it's the first touch is a phone call. And I'm, it was an interesting question to get because no one's ever asked me that. What's your best first touch? I'm like, my best first touch is when I'm actually in front of a group of people. That's yeah. my best first touch because they get to experience how I train or how I speak or how I coach. And that always spreads like wildfire. Mm-hmm. Referrals actually come to me, like you said, without asking for them. Like that's my best first touch. So I think with that being said, you have to capitalize and leverage. What's your thing? What is your what are you really good at? I love this concept of like what you're doing with this find the pain point and then yeah. provide that value mm-hmm. doing something like that. And right. then you become that person they think about. Right. 
That's it. It's because, okay, I'm a first time home buyer. What's a first time home buyer thinking about? Well, they're thinking about the money they need to save. So it's said, okay, here's all the grant programs available. I'll give that to you, right? Oh. Here's a $5,000, you know, and have a list That's of all the awesome, things. Dan. Yeah. Well, you're not going to give that to the million dollar home buyer, right? Because right. it's going to speed away right it's not their pain Mm -hmm. a great idea absolutely so find that and i teach that to the agents we've got to really get down to the core and you can only do that by asking questions really getting to truly know people and what's your what's your suggestions and strategy on asking really good questions oh my gosh yeah i mean first you because i listen to my agents phone calls. It can be painful sometimes, but you know, asking the questions that beyond the basic, because real estate's really easy. How many bedrooms? How many bathrooms? Oh, yes. Ask people, right. Ask people, what do you like to do? What's your passion? Oh, I love to cook. Ever since COVID, I did this. Oh, so you want a big kitchen, you know, or you want open, you want to gas this. If you ask about what people's interests are and not just all of these static things, how many square feet? Like, I don't know how many square feet, you know, I can't put that together, but do you like open concept or cozy? So figure out a more creative way to get people to engage with you beyond the basics. Yeah, I have a real human conversation, right? Nothing drove me crazier. We had our house built that we're in right now. We we closed last year in August, so we haven't even been in it for a year. There was no inventory, so we had to build. And every home builder we walked into... I just wanted to poke my eyes out because they were also getting fat and happy because they, you know, everybody was coming in and they didn't really have to sell. And it just had poor attitudes when you would walk in. And when I say poor, it was just like stressed out attitudes of like, this is what we got. This is what you get. You don't get to pick anything. So if you're okay with that. And I'm like, wow, love your job a little bit, please. Like, you know, like we're like the perfect buyer. We've got no debt. We got money to put down. We're not stressing about when we move. Like, we were in a really good situation. I'm like, you should be like ecstatic. I'm the buyer that, you know, gonna spend money, but is not gonna stress you out about it. Right. And then I would like start to look at, well, I'm not just I'm like, I wanna see what kind of models you have. And they're like, well, here, write this one, this three bedroom here. Those, that's what everybody's getting. And I'm like, yeah. this- I don't want a three bedroom. Right. Like, ask me what I do because I work out of my home and I need a studio. Like, if you knew that, then you might think differently. Like, oh, she's going to need a bigger space to do this and that. And I've got a stepson and he's with us 50% of the time, right? Need a space for him. And he's got interests and I want him to have his, not just his own bedroom, but a gaming room, like all these things, right? Like you could have found all that out to find out that, no, I need a five bedroom house. Yeah. I need a five-bedroom house. Where are the five-bedroom house? That's what I need. Since builders were so used to pre-COVID, right? Okay, you went to work, you went nine to five, you did that. It's like, now people want an office. They want a place for their Peloton to hang their shirts on. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really, the industry's changing. You got to go with it, but you're right. The builders got fat and happy. They reduced commissions for realtors who were the ones who were asking that question in getting to know the buyers and served a really important purpose as the consultant and the go-between. And they could say to the builders, listen, can you put HDMI cables up there? Because they're going to hang TVs here. I know these guys. And they said, okay. So started to see less value from realtors who are really 
the ones getting to know the clients reminds me of office space when they cut out, I forgot his name, but they're like, I'm the one that talks to the engineers. That's what I do. I bring them the paper. It's like, no, your job's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You have red carpet service. What does that mean? You know what? It means I need to update the website you're looking at because I'm not sure. That's okay. Well, okay. Let's. Well, so you've got white glove now. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Okay, so now it's white glove. So here, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help you you with things like this. Red carpet, white glove, same kind of thing. Because it's about your, it's about your (laughs) reputation on how to provide them a top quality experience, like. That's what I think of when I hear red carpet or white glove. So let's yeah. talk about the white glove service. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll let's talk, talk about that. that. And then you're and then we're gonna call your web person and get that fixed. Yeah, we'll get we'll edit that real quick, but we'll put it in chat GPT and write us a whole new SEO. So oh, I can talk perfect. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean our agents really get to know people. It's not about you won't see me out there holding trophies. And it's that agent time of year when I go and I'm like, well, I'm friends with too many agents on Facebook because everybody's holding up a trophy, you know, top 17% in the East side. So <laughs> you know, getting to know the client is really, really important. It's like getting to know your audience. You're walking out on a cruise ship. I got in trouble working for Carnival because we would do a show in the theater and we would have hundreds of people and you'd look down and you see kids. And then we do a show at midnight the dirty show and the cruise ship director's <laughs> like, you gotta be dirtier. You gotta be dirtier. It's like, oh my gosh. Okay. How can we be dirtier? But you know, you're doing two shows improv. The first one yep. is a little bit cleaner. The next yeah. one, everybody's drunk. <laughs> exactly. Well, that is flexing to the audience. Yeah. Flexing to the audience, getting back to knowing your audience and knowing how your audience wants to be treated. Mm-hmm. Right. Videos. I forgot to ask this. Like I'm, I haven't watched your TikToks, but I'm assuming you're doing some kind of like comedic type of videos with your videos. Yes or yes. no? Oh yes, we have some. If the funny agent on TikTok, we have a lot of fun. My videographer, we go out, we shoot very. TikTok is very short form, but I think you'll like some of my satirical videos on there. So are they anywhere else? Because my husband made me delete TikTok off my phone. Oh yeah, I got you. Got all. I know. I mean, he's not really in charge. But I let him think he is. And we have the thing like um, I'm in charge, but he gets the last word, something like that or vice versa. That's our running joke. But he's and he's a police officer. So he's very like, get that off your phone. So (laughs) anywhere else I can see your your videos. Yeah. So you can go on Instagram. You can link through thefunnyagent.com. I've got some on YouTube. So okay, good. Good, because yeah. I want to check those out. I'm assuming that's pretty effective because people love comedy. Yeah, people love comedy. And again, it's just like another billboard saying that, OK, this is a kind of person that I would love to work with. I'm going to go on a home tour. We're going to have fun. I'm not going to say this is a foyer or whatever. This is where you hang your coat up. No, we're going to have fun. We're going to go through. We're going to have a great experience. Okay, red great. carpet, in fact. We're going to have a red carpet experience. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm going to go check those out because I love some good comedy. We've got to wrap up, unfortunately, but yeah. I would love to have you come back and talk about ChatGBT and anything else you want to talk about. Maybe we'll have your website updated. We'll talk about your white glove service or your red carpet <laughs> experience or 
A red we'll make up, yeah. yeah, we'll make up something <laughs> yeah. new. Maybe it's a white carpet service. I don't know. We'll come yeah. up with something new. But if people want to reach out to you and maybe they're in the Michigan area and are they, you know, want to get involved with you with real estate or they want to go watch your funny videos. I know you've mentioned a couple of things. The funnyagent.com is one way to reach out to you, correct? Funnyagent.com, spotlighthometeam.com. You can find me on all of those channels and TikTok, the funny agent. Love to speak at your next event. If you're looking for a home, I'm open for anything. And Gina, I want to suggest you need to read Rick Rubin, The Creative Act. It or listen to it on Audible. Okay. Because it is all about artists and sales. And I can't tell you how much I got out of this book. It's amazing. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am going to go. I am going to go look for that. I'm in the middle of writing a book right now called Sell Like a Child. So it's taking that creative angle from children. So I'm always looking for some really good content or someone I can collaborate with on content. Will you come back to the show? Of course I will come back and I'll have a more exciting background. When there's no snowstorm. <laughs> hey, you got a snowstorm going on. I totally get it. It's been awesome having you. you on the show today. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Well, Warners, it's time to wrap up this show. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. And hey, if you need to up-level your sales game, go check out salesgravy.university. We've got nearly 200 or more, I've lost track, courses both live and on demand, several of which I teach live and have several that are on demand. So go check that out. And for more information about our show, you can go to womenyourmotherwarnsyoubout.com or salesgravy.com. And of course, we're all over the socials. See you next time. Mm -hmm.